You're listening to WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. I'm Devin Gallagher, and you're listening to Media on the Radio. Media on the Radio is a podcast that features conversations with media professionals. Our guest today gives a lot of insight into how to break into the media field. Also, some great advice for young producers. Isn't the life of an animator pretty solitary to begin with? Yeah, if you're going to get a lot done, you kind of have to stay at home and have discipline and not not spend every day with people, not spend all your time on Facebook. You've got to produce, you've got to consume, you've got to learn as much as, much as you can. Do people understand that animation is very technical and it takes a long time? No, <laughs> no not in the slightest. You can go to waitwhatpro.com to find past episodes of Media on the Radio. Please subscribe on iTunes to Media on the Radio, where each week it'll send the podcast directly to your phone. You don't have to do anything. It'll just send it right to you. I know that you do a lot of animation, and you, you even have a business where you where you create images of people's dogs, like a portrait of people's pets that they yeah. have. You know, growing up, were you always drawing? or? I, I used to direct my dad. I used to just play with my toys and, and have him fill, film me playing out little stories and then I'd be really disappointed when it just looked like a four-year-old playing with uh, little stuffed animals. I used to watch a lot of cartoons. I used to try and figure out how they did it. I tried to uh, build an animation machine at one point. Um, and finally, I, I, I spent a lot of time working with flip books as a kid. Um, so it was I was really obsessed with trying to figure out how the process worked. You went on to, was it in high school that you entered a film into the Rosebud Film Festival? When I was in my senior year of high school, I I finished a uh, short, an animated short that was about 10 minutes long called The Woes of Marsh. And I, I ended up submitting it to the Rosebud Film Festival. It's one of those things, you're so young, you're in high school, you're submitting to this film festival, and then you end up winning Best in Show. I remember your acceptance speech was something to the to the nature of, this is this might be the worst practical joke anyone has ever played on me. <laughs> yeah, no one, no one knew that I uh, uh, that it was a joke at first. Because I actually... Um, I went, I didn't even prepare a speech. I didn't expect to win. I don't know if I was thinking that, I I just wasn't thinking that far ahead or I genuinely didn't expect to win or what, but they called my name and I kind of was only half listening at that point. I was like, oh wait, that's my name. So I had had no preparation. Um, So I just kind of had to ad lib. Did you think that you had something worthy of best in show before you won? Yeah, I mean, looking back, I, def- I think that it, it, I guess it was deserved. I didn't really know what to think at, at first. And I was definitely the, the most proud I'd ever been of a project up until that point, because it was the longest, uh, most solid thing I'd ever worked on. The talk of the festival was about also um, how young and how how good the project was not only just the animation but the the concepts you know the the feeling you got from it so I, that was from there though did did what what happened after that were you saying like okay this is something that i that i can pursue further i can study it further what happened after after high school i think it was a big learning curve 
Um, I had never really been successful in anyone else's eyes at that, up until that point. I had just always done it because I love to do it and love to show people my work. I don't think I was ready to really work professionally with other people at that point. Ultimately, the, the immediate aftermath of that was learning a lot about myself and the way I work and how to work with other people. And actually, a couple of years went by, and I I went to Nova Community College, uh, and it, it took me a couple of years to kind of get back in the groove and realize that I do my best work when I'm just primarily working for myself, especially at that point when I didn't have that much experience working with other people. I had to kind of relearn that my best work comes from from pure passion and having an idea that I'm that I'm passionate about and can follow on my own. I don't know if it's because you were working on animations from a young age or you just have a passion for it or, or you know, if it's raw talent or whatever it is. It's interesting because you're still a high school student at that point. Even though you made this what what in my opinion is a really strong work that's that's could could stand up to adults that have been doing it for years. Um, it's interesting that you still don't necessarily have all the, the maturity, you know, of those producers that have been doing it for years. So it makes sense that you would maybe have a period where you'd have to step back and f- see about your workflow and how how to fit in, you know, collaboration and everything else. Especially, isn't the life of an animator pretty s- solitary to begin with? Yeah, if you're going to get a lot done, you kind of have to stay at home and have discipline and not not spend every day with people, not spend all your time on Facebook. Uh, I, I gave myself a challenge to try and release a solid narrative short every month uh, so I could uh, I could focus on, on being productive in a certain time frame as opposed to obsessing over a certain passion project. And that, that was a huge help. I've been doing that since uh, September, and I, I'm very lucky that I have actually gotten a couple of freelance jobs right out of dropping out of, of art school. And um, I realized that the main key to finding, finding work, at least in my opinion, is just to keep working, just keep making things and putting, putting work out and people end up coming coming to me most of the time. It was it was very helpful uh, for my own process having trying trying to find that balance between productivity and um, giving myself enough time to to polish the piece. What about your theory of or your style of animation? Because I think this is something that if you were into classic music you wouldn't necessarily go see a metal concert. And I assume that that's true of animation too, that there's very different kind of styles and aesthetics that come out of that. And what are you, what are you kind of drawn to, even going back to when you were a kid, what kind of styles or what can you say about what kind of animation or illustration you're drawn to? I'm pretty open when it comes to watching things, but in terms of what I end up making, I would say dark comedy mostly. I It's hard for me to go all all the way to horror or all the way to comedy. I, I usually end up somewhere in between, uh, something with a little bit of, a little bit of creepiness, a little, little bit of horror elements, but I usually can't just make, make something purely serious. I'm sure you've thought about it. I'm sure people have 
asked you as well in the past, the idea of moving out to LA or, you know, working with Adult Swim or some other established animation show. Now that I'm not really tied down by having to be in in Richmond or even in Arlington for that long, the the current plan has just been to work on my my reel um, and apply apply like crazy to um, just just send out applications to every animation job that I can find, with the hopes that when it comes time to move, I could possibly move wherever there is a job waiting. But I don't really have any inclination to move to New York or L.A., especially because a lot of what I do is online. And I feel like, like I was saying earlier about how I, how I work best, I don't think that being in a studio environment, being in an office all, all day, every day, would, would really help me with my creativity. I don't think that would be a good, a good setup for me. Is there kind of a sub-community or subculture online of animators that, you know, that share each other's stuff and that you get hits, you know? I know that there's there's people that can kind of make half of a living submitting content online that, that drives traffic, that has ad revenue and things like that. Is is there any setup like that? I, I love Newgrounds, which is um, it's uh, an animation site, primarily animation uh some games, some some shorts. Uh, they have a, a really great community. When you upload uh, a new project, it goes through a rating system. By default, a certain number of people have to see it and have to react to it for it to end up on the main site. Mm. So you actually get a lot more feedback. Um, with something like YouTube, it's a huge, you're just a small fish in a huge pond and you just upload something. And unless you have steady subscribers, you're not sure if anyone's going to see it or react to it or like it or dislike it or share it. Uh, that's a lot, It's a lot more hit and miss on YouTube, so much broader. But I, I joined um, a YouTube network, Channel Frederator network, um, a while ago, and that's that's been, that's been pretty good. Um, they help with audience development. They give you connections with other people in the network. And I met a I met a few people, uh, made a few solid connections through, through them. What's your handle, or do you have a handle, or is it just Cal Slater? Most of the time, it's Cal Slater. Like my website is calslater.com, C-A-L-S-L-A-T-E-R.com. My Twitter is at Cal Slater. Um, my YouTube is YouTube.com/slash/stringstudios, which is a shortened version of my LLC, but. Most of my stuff can be found with uh, Cal Slater. I'm curious because I may be interested in bringing you on a, a project soon, which we were just talking about. Um, but w- what would you say about you know your clients that you that you have had and the collaborations that you have had? Do people understand that animation is very technical and it takes a long time? No, it's... <laughs> no, not in the slightest. I mean, in general, artists on the internet it's very common. Um, for someone to hire or approach an artist and say, hey, I can't pay you, but I'll give you exposure, or, hey, this is going to be a huge project. I have to admit I was kind of one of these people uh, when I was a teenager, but, yeah, they'll, they'll come up and be like, oh, this will be a huge project. It'll be super successful, and you'll get a royalty, and they can't pay you up front. They don't know exactly what goes into it. And it's, it's especially, I mean, it's true in all kinds of art, but especially with animation, where 
you're not just drawing one frame. You're not just drawing one picture. You might be drawing a bunch of pictures. You might be designing a character and then moving the character. People don't realize that that is very expensive. And the way I've heard it explained is a lot of people, a lot of people will end up working either for free or for way too little up front. And that's kind of okay when you're starting out because you get work done. You can prove that you can work for someone else. Um, you don't really have a name. You have no, you don't really have anything to hold up to be like, well, my time is worth this much because I have all these other clients. You kind of have to you kind of have to start out working for Chump Change and then move your uh, work your way up a little bit. You know, I do, deal with video and video editing, and, and it's hard people for people to grasp even that. But then when you're talking about literally drawing, you know, it's like, well, it's just you know, you draw it on the on the computer, right? You know, it's just, yeah, <laughs> it's easy. Yeah, no, no. People think that the computer does probably fifty to ninety percent of the work, and uh, it does. I'm not, I'm not going to say that it doesn't make it a ton easier than doing it on paper, um, but it's it, you're not just going to hit a button and have a character do all the things you want the character to do. Well, and I think also you having seen your work, I I imagine that you could you could also brand yourself as someone that's a bit of a producer as well. I mean, um, just seeing that a a bit of a producer as well, or, or a kind of a content creator, because, um, it's not so much as just drawing pictures, but I've seen your work in terms of creating characters and, and the the content, the story behind it. Um, that's gotta be at least a good, um, pillar that you can build from in terms of your experience. Yeah. Well, the, the thing I learned over time was that most people aren't going to care about the quality of the animation. Um, if you're doing illustration, you have to be able to draw. If you are doing an animation, um, if you want to be hired as a technical technical animator, your drawing and your visuals count a lot. But if you're just trying to entertain people and get views, very few people care about the actual visual quality, which I stagnated with for a while because I my theory was just well if I can make them laugh then I it doesn't have to look pretty um, but it I've been trying to work on that recently so I can so I can get hired but yeah it's story is the most important thing definitely it's interesting um, that you say that because I just met somebody um, who was like yeah a friend of mine uh, you know lost a bunch of weight and he made a video that made got a million hits and he's like this mini celebrity now and he's like you want to see the video and he showed me the video and it was literally you know really bad jpegs of (laughs) the guy with a couple titles and a stolen Coldplay song and that was it there's no there's one piece of video from an iPhone there's pictures off of Facebook it was cut together with a couple of you know and it's funny it was comedic it was you know you can tell the guy he might have done it on iMovie or whatever but literally you're right people do not care about that you the story was what was compelling that the character of this guy you know losing this weight and making a transformation was was what was driving the the viewership there's a there's a pretty popular YouTube channel grade A under A I, I hesitate to call it animation. It's basically just Microsoft Paint, little stick figures that move slightly mixed with very low-quality images. But he's a very funny guy. He's a good storyteller. He has good content. So he gets me 
billions of views each time. Or you know, most people don't care about the visuals. If you if it's all if it's all shiny, but there's no story, if the jokes aren't working, then people are going to care about that more. Um, I actually recently I've been working on a tutorial series and trying to trying to find limited or ways to to use limited animation so that I can get a story out each week. But one of the the most recent um, tutorial was about storytelling, and I've actually met with someone about doing an insurance ad, and it helped a lot knowing the basics of storytelling, being able to sit down with them and figure out what the story that they wanted to tell is. Um, and really, once you know that, once you know the, the, the basics, what you're trying to say and how you're trying to say it, the visual should come after that. Um, if, you're do, if you're doing, uh, just an example here, she, she wanted a, uh, an ad with a medieval theme, castles and knights and dragons and stuff. And so knowing knowing her theme, knowing what she wanted to get across about her company, it made it a ton easier to uh, sit down and, and just map out how the 30-second video would go. And then all the visual planning comes from that. To finish up, you know, what advice do you have for people that may may had a, have had a similar upbringing to you where they were just obsessed with with cartoons, animation, the process, and they're maybe looking to get into art school or they're finishing up college or high school now. What advice would you give them based on what you've gone through? Passion is definitely a lot more important than talent. If you if you are a young person and you think that even if you're really good at drawing, if you just stop there and say, "Well, I'm good at drawing, so I or good at animation, then I can then I'll be able to do it," but Passion is more important in that if you know you want to do it and you can keep doing it, you will keep improving, you'll keep learning, you'll keep making, uh, you, you've got to produce, you've got to consume, um, you've got to learn as much as much as you can. You, you, want to be, you want to be open to critiques, you want to be open to suggestions, but if that's what you want to do and you know that that's what you want to do, um, all that really matters is your dedication and your your desire to keep learning and improving what your passion is about. Well, thanks for doing this, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, no, thanks. Thank you. You're listening to WERALP Arlington 96.7 FM. You can go to waitwhatpro.com to find past episodes of Media on the Radio. Plus, subscribe on iTunes. This is Devin Gallagher host of Media on the Radio, and thanks for listening.